You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kevin Chow. I am an Enneagram 9, the wing 1. Anyone else? Anyone else? Same thing. Nines. We love peace. I'm also an INFJ. Uh, yes, any INFJs? We're rare. Shoot. Uh, I'm also a wrestling coach at South Philly High School. I love puzzles. I love cats. And yes, I've been... Um, Married for five years, almost, and I have a 14-month-old son. And so uh, for me, it was an honor to be asked by Rachel to speak about Mary and Joseph um, because, yeah, I think there's a lot to learn from them. As I was preparing, I feel like there's like there's like 10 different talks that came out of just looking at Mary and Joseph. And Mary and Joseph, I didn't say this last time, but they're not in the Bible. Like, they don't have that much time in the Bible. They have like one or two chapters, and yet there's so much depth to them, so... I'll do my best to to share what I've learned from them. So before James is born, James is my um, my son, James Thomas. What up, Jimmy? Uh, so before James was born, I had never changed a diaper before in my life. Uh, I was actually like afraid of babies because I was afraid of like their neck, and so I'd always be thinking, okay, like I gotta wash their neck, I gotta wash their neck, and so. When my friends had babies, they'd be like, "Hey, hold him." I'd be like, "Ah, uh, <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, it's like a vegetable. Like, what, what do I do?" So I was always really nervous around babies, um, and also they would just stare at me. You know how like babies, they just like. And so I would just like stare back and be like, "I don't know how to interact with this human," um, but I've always wanted to be a dad. Like that has been ingrained in me. I don't know. I don't have like a time. I don't know like in eighth grade sitting in recess. No, I, I don't have that. But for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a dad. And mainly because I, I just loved seeing dads like throw their kids in the air and like catch them and see the smile and laughter on kids' faces. So I love the idea of being able to do something like that. Um, so when James was born 14 months ago, and as I held him in my arms for the very first time in the hospital, I'd be lying if I didn't say to myself, like, okay, is it time? Like, is it time to throw this baby in the air? Like, I've been waiting a really long time. But I was like, I won't do it because of the next still, so we'll wait. Um, I eventually, I do it a lot now. And uh, so I love being a dad. Like, that's the thing that I love more than anything else. And Rachel kind of shared a little bit of my story. Like, I've lived a really great life so far. Um, I've traveled, I've experienced many things, and... uh, but being a dad is what I know I've been created and meant to do. Uh, I grew up in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a pretty affluent town, just about 45 minutes outside of New York City. And I never really had to worry much. And I went to a, like a really good ranked school in architecture where I got my bachelor's of science. I was accepted into grad school and seemingly set up for like all the success. But my desire of being a father figure and like a true God gut feeling that I received one night is the reason why I turned away from all that and decided to pursue Young Life staff. And I said this in the last meeting, uh, Young Life might conjure up some feelings. Young Life, I know, is an extremely evangelical mission. And I want to give a disclaimer that that's not how we do things in the city. That we don't go around telling kids they're going to hell and that kind of thing. But no, we like enter into life with them. And we tell them how much they're loved. And we walk with them through their pain. And so for me, that's what it meant like to be a dad. 
And that's why I've been leading for the past 16 years. Um, so I love being a, a young life leader. I love helping adolescents in their life. I love helping them know who Christ is and helping them become fuller versions of themselves. But the day James was born, October 3rd, at 10.10 10 p.m. when I held him, I distinctly remember looking at him swaddled, looking down, and just staring at him, tears streaming down my face, smiling, and I remember thinking nothing else mattered. Not my job, not young life, not the money we have to raise, the leaders I need to train, none of this matters. The only thing that matters is my family, my wife, Mariette, and this boy. And I would hold him at night. I would rock him to sleep. I was in charge of sleep. And so I'd rock him, like humming Silent Night. And I would stare at him, and, you know, he'd be like. And I remember, and I would say to him, James, I promise that I will always do my best to give you the best life possible. I will always look out for you, and I will always have your back, and I will always do what's best for you. And so as I began to read more about Mary and Joseph, I know that's what they were thinking as well. That moment when Jesus arrived into the earth, was placed into a manger, that they felt that same way. The nine months leading up to the Jesus' birth, where they had visions and dreams and were given promises of who was to come, as they waited for nine months for their child to be born, as they waited nine months for a Savior to be born, that when the day arrived, when Jesus was in Mary's arms and Joseph by her side, that nothing else mattered. So that's part of what I want us to remember, is that at this moment in Advent, Jesus is really all that matters. And so for me, just thinking through now, they were, like, it's crazy to think they were the parents of the Son of God. Like, that's a crazy concept to think about as a parent. There's, like, more responsibility to that than anything else. Um, I would think about, like, man, if I were Joseph, I'd be afraid to yell at Jesus. Like, God might smite me or something. Like, he's going to scrape his knee. What do I do about that? Um, but what we learn in, in their account is that the moment Jesus, after he was born, we learn how to, how to wait Mary demonstrates to us how she was able to wait for those nine months and also wait during the rest of that time. So in this story, Jesus was just born, and a bunch of shepherds show up to the party, and they're like, hey, we heard some amazing things. Like, we, we heard from angels, and we heard amazing choruses that in the little manger, a swaddled baby, the Savior of the earth, the Messiah, the Son of God, is here for us. And this is what Mary does. It's in Luke 2.19. It says, but Mary... Treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. To me, that's a crazy idea. She's basically having like a, a block party in her, you know, her manger right there. There's like magi, there's gold, there's myrrh, there's incense, there's shepherds, there's these animals, there's these people. Like, there's so much going on. And yet she took the time to stop and to pause and to treasure and to ponder. So the question is, why did she do that? I think she did that because she didn't want to forget the feeling that she was in and also forget the promise that she was given. We see that in the Magnificat. She uh, was with Elizabeth when she wrote that. You don't write a, a song in like a second. She took time to think through that. She took time to sing that. She took time to really think about the gravity of the, the weight of what she was going through. 
And so for me, we had to think through, I had to think through, what does it actually mean to treasure things? We treasure what is valuable to us. We treasure what we don't want to lose. Treasuring is intentional and not often by accident or mistake. Treasuring is a deeper form of remembering or keeping close. Pondering is taking our thoughts captive. Pondering is a conversation, a wrestling inside our brain. It's a stirring inside of what's going on. It's trying to make sense of what's happening around us and in us. And so in terms of treasuring, the, one of the moments I'll never forget and I'll treasure forever is when I saw Mariette, my wife, finally hold our baby. Now, it's one thing for me to, as a dad to hold a child of, of my own, but when I saw Mariette, who had carried James for nine months and had been through the whole pregnancy thing, she, she, was, she had so much stuff going on, like most pregnancies. There was just something different about that. There was something totally different for her experience, something spiritual and something special that she went through. And I wanted to treasure that. I wanted to remember that moment. And so also Mary, surrounded by all these people, and she takes the time to demonstrate how we can move what I believe is the point of Advent, to move our waiting into longing. I believe that this time of Advent is more about developing our longing instead of just simply waiting and to learn to be comfortable in the discomfort of the process. I think waiting is often an unconscious passing of time. Waiting to me is like a passive, just like, okay, let's just get through with this. And it's often distracted or an unfocused state. Art could have chosen during the 45 minutes to go on his phone or do whatever he wanted, but he chose to enter into longing for the Chinese food, Lowe's and your daughter's show. For me, longing is active. It's alive. Longing is a deep, attentive, kind of on the edge of your seat, like expectant desire. Like, I can't wait to see. I'm looking forward to this. Too often, I find myself rushing the waiting period, wanting the immediate satisfaction or gratification, waiting for the next stage of development. So recently, uh, Mariette and I had some of our friends over, and they have a four-month-old baby. And uh, they placed their, their son on our on our floor, and I was just looking at their son, who's four months, which basically means he's just like lying there, like doesn't move. I'm just staring at him, I'm sitting on my couch, then I look to my right, and James is like running around our house. Not, he's, like, he's like learning how to walk, but like crawling and like knocking over the blocks that we made, pulling out all the books, jamming on the piano, like he's just yelling and screaming at me for books. So I look at James, and I look at this baby, and I think to myself, did I appreciate and pay attention to this stage that this baby's in, or did I just want to rush through each of the stages? Now, it's easy for me as a dad right now to think, oh, I can't wait till James can walk. I can't wait till James can run. I can't wait till James and I can play. I can't wait to the day where I can throw him in the air. But when I rush those stages, I miss out on the present I miss out on the beauty of what's happening there. And so as Mary and I wait for each developmental stage in James's life, we have to not want to rush it. And I want to do what Mary did, and that's to pause and to ponder and to treasure those moments in the moment. So I think there is definitely space for both waiting and longing. I don't think the point is to only long. Um, waiting is okay. 
But I have found that when I move my waiting into longing, my heart moves more towards Christ's, and my heart, my hope increases. So, for example, I wait two minutes and 12 seconds on 90% power in the microwave for my popcorn to pop. But I long to grab a handful of buttered popcorn, shove it in my mouth, and savor each bite. I wait for school officials and administrators in the school district to get back to my emails about starting partnerships and collaborating. But I long for all students at South Philly High School and all students in Philly to know they are loved and that they also can know a loving God personally. Mary and Joseph were not just waiting for a baby. They were longing to be a family. They were longing to be saved. Some of you here might be waiting for a significant other or a spouse or someone like that. But you also might be longing for intimacy and affection. Some of you might be waiting for a job or the next career or school step or whatever it is. But you also may be longing for purpose and belonging. Now, this is not to judge you um, what you're waiting for, but everyone's longing is different for the same waiting. And I think it's important for you to figure out and for me to figure out and for us to figure out what are we truly longing for so that we don't miss the waiting period. Because once we're able to identify our longing, we can move closer to God's heart for us. So the question is, how do we move from passively waiting to actively longing? And I think we have to pause, as Art did. We have to pause in the midst of our waiting we have to ponder or reflect and pay attention to what our mind is thinking, what our bodies are feeling, and then treasure these things in our hearts. Treasuring to me means remembering, holding close, holding dear. Remember, it's valuable. I will never forget when Mariette held James for the first time. Treasuring helps form our hearts to long more for what God has for us. Treasuring transforms our hearts to be in a tune with God's. And treasuring helps us when we need comfort and hope. So the question for all of us and for you to think through is, what are you waiting for? And then the deeper question for us to figure out, for you to ponder, is what are you longing for? I do believe that God's heart is bigger than our longing and wants to meet you there. So in just a second, we're going to take some time to give you more space to ponder and to reflect, but also to really wrestle inside, what are you longing for? And then how can we go towards Christ in that way? We're going to ponder God's presence with ourselves, and we're going to treasure the state we're in. And think through, what are we missing by looking ahead too quickly? When we should be staying where we are now, to pay attention, to know what's happening around us, and develop a true longing. So right now, I invite you to close your eyes, and to think through, what is that one thing, or what is one thing I am waiting for? What am I waiting for? And then to ask God the simple question of, what am I truly longing for? And to be comfortable enough to sit in the silence and to listen to what God may have for you. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. 
If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at sirgolfhope.net.